Welcome back to Sheep Stuff You Should Know. This is Ryan Mahoney. I'm coming to you live, but it's actually recorded live. So it's live for me right now recording, but it won't be live for you listening. It is uh, Wednesday, the 16th of March. I am joined today by my co-host, Dan Macon, coming to you from Auburn, California, from the recording studios of Flying Mule Farms. Yeah, How are you today, Dan? I'm live too. I'm live too. Thank God. That's step one of every day. That's right. Wake up and get out of bed. Be on the right side of the dirt. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You've had a busy week. Yeah, we got a good, good week. These are always, I love these kind of weeks. I spent all Saturday sitting in the office trying to figure out how the lambs can come in and how they can go out all in a schedule and not double up on stuff. And and, um, we got our feedlot opened up again. So we're finally rebuilt. We still got a um, still a few little minor things to finish up, but but the the core of it's working. So we're back up and opening, and so we got a lot of lambs flying in. I think we received about five thousand on Monday. That's great, and a bunch more today, and a bunch more coming. So we're pretty excited. It's it's a fun fun time. So means more than the usual one or two cups of coffee and keep it going through the whole day. <laughs> Do you try to get them in first thing in the morning or do they kind of come in all through the day? How does that work? The shipping and receiving. So on on the feedlot, I mean, it depends on the time of year as to what we do right now. um, You know, it's not a problem to work livestock in the afternoon. You're looking at a 60 degree high, you know, today the high is going to be like 61. Um, If it gets too warm, starts getting into the seventies. We try to lay off doing anything in the afternoon. Um, but you also have to have to, uh, know where they're coming from. So if it's a local hall where they're getting loaded in, you know, two, three hours away and hauled in and they unload at noon, um, that's a different condition and different received animal and something that gets held, you know, hauled, like say, if it gets hauled 10 hours or 12 hour drive, that one, you're going to, we, we want to get those ones that are, we actually want to process the ones that are hauled longer, quicker. So we can get them resting faster and comfortable in their home pen. The stuff closer, um, you can kind of put them out and then bring them back the next day. It just depends. And a lot of those long haul ones, they actually get their rest on the truck. So they'll ship in the morning, drive all day, um, sleep them at night, one or two hours from the from the yard. And then they'll, the, you don't want the driver to sleep at the corrals because then all the sheep are laying down when you try to unload it. You want right. to have them sleep half an hour, hour away. So that way they can get up start moving the animals wake up get up and then you can have an easier unload but that's i wouldn't have thought of that but that makes sense yeah yeah i wouldn't have thought of it either i i offered it to a trucker and he said oh you're crazy you want to unload those sleeping sons of guns <laughs> <laughs> no always listen to the trucker right <laughs> well uh, yeah most of the time, most <laughs> yeah. Of the time. Yeah. depends it's on what you're saying regarding the truck yes absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of a lot of fun rumors are spread through that those trucking channels. <laughs> that's that's very true. I had one time, one time I I had a guy pull up to the corrals and he was unloading and I pulled up to go help him and he oh, he was in the truck when unloading and so I started working the gates and helping him out and then he got out of the truck to change decks and he he all of a sudden stopped and looked at me and said, Ryan, I heard what are you doing here? I heard you got fired. <laughs> <laughs> Really, I've been. Uh, well, goodness gracious! I better, I better check with my grandpa see if this is true. I haven't heard of it yet. <laughs> so, yeah. There's all sorts of fun rumors that go around there. 
And sure as heck, yeah, he he heard from two or three people. Yeah, oh, Ryan got fired and laid off and this, that. <laughs> Have you ever and, tried to start start one of those rumors and see how long it takes to get back to you? No. No, no. I'm sure I've started my own, my fair share of rumors that, you know. Unintentionally. Unintentionally, but never yeah. intentionally did it. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's Sheep good. industry is almost like a bridge club. Uh, well, it is. It's kind of like that game we played in kindergarten. You know, you tell the, the kid next to you something, and by the time it gets back around you, it's totally different. Yep, yep. That telephone, <laughs> yep. This is a true story, my friend. <laughs> Uh, are you done lambing yet you told me you had one problem you this morning we're at the tail end we had kind of a weird gap this year and i don't know what happened to the rams back in october but we took like five days off apparently and uh now we're picking back up but we had a a maiden you that uh, wasn't convinced she wanted to be a mom this morning so takes a little time to sort those out what do you do with that how do you handle her you know, the it was kind of a combination of things. The lamb was was a little weak and slow to vocalize and slow to get up. And so she was slow to realize it was hers. And we ended up getting her into a pen where we could just get them together and, and get her milked out and get some milk in the lamb. And sound, they're, they're making amends now. They're doing yeah. lots better. But is it a, is it a single? Yeah. Art, when you have a, when you have a you like that, that's a twin. What do you do in those kind of same kind of situation, or do you pull a twin? I I will always try to let the you raise twins if I can get her in the trailer. If it's mm -hmm. if she's just totally crazy and won't follow either lamb, um, then I'll pull a twin and and uh, yeah. put a big check by her name. <laughs> <laughs> Scores low on your you card, huh? Yeah, she gets to go. She gets a ticket to town. Uh, a good deal. One way, one way. Well, some of them use are city dwellers anyway. That's know. true. That's very yeah. true. Very true. Yeah, no, I think the worst is when you have like a, a, a yearling like that or a maiden you, and um, they have twins and they lamb one out and then they run away and then they lamb their second one and they realize they have the second one and so they'll stick with that one, but then they won't pick that first one. And I mean, then if you have two of them together, and they're both having twins, and oh boy, <laughs> you can have some fun with those. We've had a you one you do already had her lambs, yeah, and she interrupted. Must have had just massive hormone response. Interrupted two ewes while they were lambing and stole one of their lambs each. Yeah, the first one we kind of got resorted. The second one she just decided she was going to raise, and there was nothing we could do about it. You know, yep, crazy. Crazy you just crazy. let them, when they do that, you let them, you know, when they, and you have a, you steal the lamb, you just let her raise it. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cheaper. Yeah, we, we, we had that same exact thing. I had two use one of them lamb to single and the other one lamb twins. And they're actually, I think it was their second or third lambing too. It wasn't a maiden lambing. That's but what this they, one was. Yeah. But she was a young, you just, you know, I think it was her second round, but she had twins. She dropped one right next to where the first one had it single that you took both of them. She didn't want anything to do with it. And then she dropped out another single and kept it. So yeah, kind of interesting messes up my message up my, my bunches and tracking and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The data right. is a little different. Always work on generalities. Don't work on specifics on a commercial <laughs> operation. I think that's true of my life in general. 
<laughs> well, yeah, most lives, yeah, I think. <laughs> So yeah. I was I was going to quiz you about livestock identification and records today, but I totally abandoned that this morning. Oh, good. Came up with a new topic for you. Right so, on. Are you ready? Ah, uh, maybe. Good. That's kind of what I was hoping. Yeah. So I want to talk. You know, we had this this lambing school over the weekend, and and it was great. But I want to talk a little bit about mentoring. Um in our industry and, and kind of the role that mentors have played for both you and I, um, and, and kind of our role as mentors in some respects. Um, so I, I, I guess I wanted to start with, um, can you tell me a little bit about a mentor who's been extremely helpful in your professional life as a sheep producer or as a cattle producer? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great, that, that's, that's great topic. I'm excited to talk about this. Um, so yeah, I had a, I've had a lot of mentors, people I've looked up to in, in industry and in life in general. Um, I think the most specific ones, as far as within the ranch and the company, I had my grandpa, who's the foremost mentor. I mean, he hired me and I kind of studied under his tutelage and learned a lot of what I know from him. Um, and if a listener wants to go back and listen to that episode, we did the yeah. interview with, with Dick Amy, you can, but, um, I'd say some of the other ones that I maybe haven't talked about so much would be, um, there's three guys that were my grandpa's kind of foreman or right hand men when I started. And all three of them really taught me a lot about how to immerse yourself into a crew, learn Spanish, learn how workflows get done. And a lot of the, hands-on day-to-day work. And that'd be Jesus Rubacaba, who still works with me. And then um, Felix Lupercio and uh, Ramon Alvarez, who both worked up in the Dixon Clover and the feedlot. And both of those guys taught me a ton about just, you know, paying attention to details, counting numbers, setting up crews. How do you engage with, um, you know, I mean, I'm from my own culture and I'm Mm -hmm. working with a lot of um, uh, Mexicans or Peruvians, a lot of Latino cultures. And, you know, there's a lot of different differences within those cultures and just learning how to humble yourself and engage, you know, all the way through was, they taught me a lot about it. And then, I mean, so much of, so much of the ranch, you have the, you have the business side of the ranch that happens in the office. And then you have where the rubber hits the road and the, the experience. And that's where those guys really, really, um, influenced, influenced me a ton. And then, um, you know, operational wise, I mean, the big operators that I really look up to are going to be, um, I hate putting names cause I'm going to forget a bunch of them, but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, El, El Tone sheep company in Melchor, uh, is, is just some phenomenal sheep and his attention to detail is, is impeccable. Um, I always admired, uh, Paco Derudia's ranch and his, his operation and kind of what he did. Um, and then, uh, and then around locally, I mean, I can't, I don't know, the, the Hamilton family next door to us, um, has done a lot. I mean, we, we've been family neighbors for such a long time. There's a lot of history there. Um, and it's all good, but it's, you know, you have two farming families next to each other, leasing ground. You're always going to have some fun stories, but, um, yeah. they, they're, they're just, they're really good visionaries kind of 
you know, they, they run, they run their system extremely well and I've always admired them all, all the way through. So yeah, I know there's a lot of them. I, I, I know I'm leaving a lot out, but those are some of the ones that come to mind. What makes a good mentor? Um, what makes a good mentor? A good mentor is somebody that sets for me is someone that sets a good example. I mean, you have your talkers, but then you have the people that do things. And, um, when you see, if you can close your ears to the words and just pay attention to the the product and the things, and then try to figure out how they're getting there. Um, those, the ones that kind of let you in a little bit, those are the ones that are, um, to me, I think they're the most powerful mentors are the ones that really lead by example, but then also have a willingness to kind of open up. Um, yeah. I like, I like that, that phrase, let the, the guys that let you in a little bit. I think that's, a yeah, there's a lot to that. And I think so many of your, I mean, a lot of good mentors kind of share the flaws too. I mean, they don't, right. I, I guess more than sharing the flaws, they don't hide them. I think right. it's probably one of the things I've learned is like, you make a mistake and you have to admit it and you have to admit it to everybody. Otherwise you end up trying to hide it. And if you try to hide it, it becomes a bigger problem in those people that can really learn from those mistakes. Cause you know, my, my grandpa told me one time that like, anybody can drive around the ranch all day and know everything that's wrong. It's another <laughs> thing to actually fix it. <laughs> and that takes a whole lot more work to actually get out and fix it. Like you can drive around and see, Oh, I need to fix this fence. I need to cut these stickers. I need to do this water trough, but then to actually get it done is a whole nother step. And those guys that are able to get it all done are really impressive. <laughs> well, and I think, I think the other piece of that for me is that part of a mentor mentee relationship is learning from somebody else's mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and that takes a certain kind of person to be open about their mistakes and, and to share those lessons. Um, yeah. Got to let go of some ego, I think, to, to be able to do that. Don't you? Yeah. And I mean, you don't have to spend all day talking about what you did wrong more right. than just uh, talking about what's right and why it is. Right. You or can be, you it can be, ex- it. yeah, it can be expressed that way. Yeah. Too. So, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how hard, hard work really does flow through all of those mental for me, at least mm-hmm. all of them have a pretty strong work ethic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about the people that I would consider mentors. It's also kind of the ability to see what needs to be done and jump in and do it. Yeah. You know, not, not just wait for somebody else to identify a problem, but to, to really see the work that needs to get done. Yeah. Who are you? Who are some of your mentors? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think in the in the sheep industry, um, I would say um, I would consider Wes Patton a mentor. Um, you know, both kind of from the academic perspective, but then also from the the kind of the systematic approach he takes to raising sheep. I've learned a lot from Wes. Um, I would say just kind of within the industry, Paco would be a, Paco would de- definitely be a mentor and, and Frankie, um, his son to, to an extent, certainly and how to approach industry issues. I think that's been, that's been a real valuable thing. Um, I would say Chuch Emilio Huarte, you know, has, has 
been real open and, and helped me learn some things that I didn't know how to do. Um, I'm going to forget some too. <laughs> and I would say also, Ryan, and, and I think this is kind of the next question I wanted to ask you. I would, I would say that in, in many respects, I would consider you a mentor. Um, and I think that relationship can kind of shift back and forth, right? Depending on the topic and, in the issue. I feel like that's with the people, as I've learned more with the people I consider mentors, sometimes I can bring something that to that relationship that helps them as well. So I guess the question, the follow-up question for you is what if, if you've mentored other, other producers, what's in it for you? What have you learned from that relationship? Um, even though you may be the one sharing your experience or, or your knowledge. I don't know how to answer that. Um, good. You know, uh, yeah, that this might be a good stump stump Brian question. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I don't want to get too philosophical on, on the sheep, podcast, <laughs> sheep stuff, <laughs> but yeah, but you know, it, to me, there's a, there, there, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know for, for me, to have a healthy community and a lot of this comes from my, you know, I mean, I, 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 it comes, it's formed by my faith, but, um, when to have a successful community, you have to have communication, you have to have trust and you have to have honesty, kind of, kind of some of these truths that flow throughout the community that all work towards justice or whatever you want to term. This is very philosophical, but when you try to apply that into a lived life, um, I feel that I've been incredibly blessed with the situation that I've been raised in. I mean, I happen to be born to, uh, I happen to be born my grandfather's grandson. I happen to be born into this family and this operation. I happen to be given an opportunity that neither my brother or sister or cousins really got. And so it's, it's really a, it's not like that part of it really wasn't earned. It was kind of just, you know, I was blessed with it. So in order to justify or earn that blessing, I need to share as much opportunity as I was given with as many people as possible. And a big part of that is, is sharing this stuff. And then if the other part of that whole scenario is then you lay that over the top, like that's very community centric, but then you look at like the sheep industry in order for our industry to continue to grow and, and um, continue to grow is kind of remarkable point. I guess you can argue it hasn't grown, but, um, you know, if we're going to be a successful industry, we have to have some sense of community within the industry. And that's built by independent one-on-one person-to-person relationships, which is basically the core of this whole podcast is to create the opportunity to begin discussions. It seemed like you and I talked and really with COVID hit, it really accentuated everything that Mm-hmm. We were all fairly isolated operators and people were popping up doing all these really cool things, but there really wasn't a good place to have these discussions kind mm-hmm. of freely as an industry and, um, and not as an industry in the, in the direct sense as an industry, as in the communal sense that, you know, we weren't, we weren't able to have these one-on-one conversations with people in other regions about what's going on. I mean, you can talk about, how many people in your in your circles you've come across that have heard about the podcast, started listening to it, and it's actually created 
real changes on their operation and given them a chance to start rethinking about the way they do things on their on their uh, on their place and that doesn't mean they're doing things wrong before the whole point is to question and continue to grow and improve continue mm-hmm. to look for those areas where you can improve because i mean half the things we talk about on this podcast that i say should be done don't get done on my ranch <laughs> and so you know it isn't so yeah so i mean you know it but it's about having those conversations and challenging yourself and and really it's I view it as an obligation more than anything to, to give back after have been given so much. I mean, and it's, yeah, I don't know. Like that could be taken so many different ways, but don't overthink what I just said. Just listen to it <laughs> and go on. <laughs> so the, the next obvious next question for me is um, what have you learned from people that you've been a mentor to? I mean, I, I learned from people that I, you know, technically it may, I may be the mentor in the relationship, but I always learn from seeing something through somebody else's eyes too. Yeah. I never try to define relationships based on that kind of stuff. Like the Mm -hmm. mentors that are mentors are not just mentors, you know, mentor is someone that has taught me things, so to say, and influenced the way I do things. And a lot of those people are, um, are role models, they're friends, they're, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you're, you know, I would consider you a mentor for me, just like you said about, uh, about me. And, you know, you look at the things I've learned from you would be um, some of the pasture management stuff that we talked about early on would be a real specific. Um, but then there's so many other things that go into that, that relationship because relationships are never um, singular. Like, you know, you're dealing or, with a person. Static, and a, yeah. 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 You're dealing with a person and a person is dynamic. Yep. And so that's yep. going to take on multiple levels. And if you go out and say, you know, you are now my mentor and I'm going to do everything you do, <laughs> you, you might, you're probably making a mistake because you need to, there's, there's a lot you're missing in that relationship. Right. And you're also cutting off a lot of other people that can influence and mentor you as well when you're focused on one too much. Well, and I think that works in the reciprocal direction too. Yeah. You know, if mentor you, if learns you, a ton. I mean, you know, cause it's a conversation, it's a back and forth. Yeah. When you present an issue you're having and we talk about it and it, you get a solution or an idea, that whole thought process, that whole experience now can be taken and anal- you can use that to analyze something in your own operation. Right. Right. Absolutely. So we could be Absolutely. talking about your pasture management up in Auburn and I take something and I apply it right back to my irrigated pasture in Dixon. Yep. And yep. it had no, it never got brought up at all in the conversation, but I used it. Well, and, and, and similarly in land management or, or, you know, we talked, yeah. um, we've talked about weaning management. I, things that, that we talk about in that conversation. And to some extent, I think having those conversations while there is this mentor mentee relationship, there's also a sense of, of, being equals in the conversation and both having something to bring yeah. to the conversation too, which I think is really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely. I mean, if you're going to, yeah, it gets, it gets back to, you know, you're, you're, you're where it's a community thing. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a community thing and uh, you can't, you can't, 
I think a lot of people make a mistake nowadays where they, they constantly look around and see what somebody can do for them or what something can do for them. You know, uh, what, what town gives me the most that I can just move into and use all of their services for right. what area can I move into and you, what's the best way for me to start where I can get the most out of what's going on rather right. than the attitude of here's where I am. How can I, how can I improve this situation by me sacrificing my time, my effort, my expertise, um, my willingness, all of those kind of things. And I, I think, I really think the sheep industry, one of the most beautiful things about the industry is the people that are involved. And I really think at the core, the people are very giving people and there, there's a very charitable heart there. And, um, that really, to me, that's a, yeah, I think it's a real I strength. Think, yeah. It's a real strength in the industry. And, and, yeah. um, you can, maybe broaden that out to agriculture in general in the, in the U S I think, and probably in the world. I mean, agriculturalists, <laughs> agriculturalists are very egotistical, but humble by nature because they know their whole entire <laughs> life's work could be wiped out by God overnight. <laughs> so yeah. You, yeah. you got, you know, you kind of have both, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just gotta, you gotta remember you're dealing with persons and, and you gotta engage person to person and, and all changes happen ranch to ranch. Like if you, want to improve something, um, improve it on your place first and then tell somebody about it. And then you'll see a change ripple through the entire country. Um, if you go to meetings and, and committee about it, no, and nobody makes that change, then all you end up with a committee report on how everybody should change. Nobody (laughs) willing to. So (laughs) I've been to meetings like that. (laughs) I think everybody has. Yeah. I, that reminds me of, of, uh, God, now I'm, I'm going to blank on the name, but um, one of the first generation Basque producers that, that you would recognize the name, if I can remember it, told a story about going to this World Shepherds Congress back in the 80s. And there were shepherds there from Iran and from Russia and from the UK and Australia and New Zealand. And his comment was, we all spoke different languages, but we all understood one another. And I think there's an element of that in the sheep industry that that may be different slightly than the rest of agriculture. Wasn't that um, that was uh, Shropshire breeder Groverman? No, no, no. It was, no? It, was it was a it was. But Fred would say he thing. he went yeah he he went to that um, that that judging meeting or or the the competition over in England and he yep. he in, in the he, podcast he, said, he recorded he, he said, said basically the same thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's kind of a universal. Yeah. Yeah. Ha, have you ever walked away from a kind of a mentor mentee relationship? Um, have I ever walked away from some, I would say not walked away from some, I would say some fell apart. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and if I can pry a little bit, why, what, what about them caused them to fall apart? Um, I don't think I'll answer that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think I need to answer it generally. I'm not going to answer it anywhere near specifically. And there is no, I, I think it's not, uh, it's not all one side's fault. Like there's no, I mean, I, I, would have, agree. As, I have as much to do with it as any, as you know, in, in the other side of anything like that. Let me um, ask it. Let me ask it a different way then. So I don't want to put yeah. you on the spot. What, what in a relationship like that do you struggle with on occasion 
and I, and I'll share where I struggle too. Um, I don't know. To me, it, I don't. You need honesty is really important in mm-hmm. all those situations. I think, and um, and not. Uh, yeah, honest, honesty. I'll just say honesty is is pretty important, and the, the ethics that go behind honesty. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a lot of things that are um, dishonest, but ethical. And there's a lot of ethical right. things that are dishonest. Right. Um, and I, for me, I really, I really admire those people that can hold those two together. Um, I mean, because I, I believe we're not, you know, I'm not here just to make a big pile of money. I'm, you know, I'm here for another purpose. And, um, that money is a part of it, but it's not the driver. It never has Mm -hmm. been for me. Mm Um, I say that and, and, and I'm sure there's situations where I failed in that, that stance, but that's what I try to make it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. So to me, that, that really is important for me is, is holding up your end of the bargain, understanding that when you you know, like if you're respecting somebody and trusting them to a certain extent, extent, you, you want that same respect back. Reciprocation. Yeah. Yeah, And it doesn't have to be, you know, tit for tat. It has to be, you know, just has to be reasonable kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, I don't know. And the other thing too, like whenever I had like a business situation or something go, go awry, I've never, I've never blamed the person as much as just learned and changed who I do business with or change how I interact with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, cause I never, you know, like I said, it's as much as my fault for agreeing to it as, as them for doing whatever happened that, you know, there's no, right. Yeah. There's no point. And when you end up, when you end up spending all your time worrying about who to blame and how you end up just blaming people and not getting nothing done. Well, I guess, and, and I think that's a good point. I think one of the things that I struggle with in those re- kinds of relationships is if somebody comes to me with a question or wants my advice on something that I maybe more experience in, and then ignores my experience or ignores what I've tried to tell them, and and makes the same mistakes that I learned from, yeah, and does that over and over again, I begin to wonder a little bit about is the energy that I put into this relationship well spent or do I need to just let is is part of my mentorship stepping back and letting that person learn from their own mistakes. Um, and I, that I struggle with that and I struggle with not being ticked off when somebody asks me for advice and then ignores it. Yeah. That's always a tough one because I mean, you're in a much different position. I mean, part of a big part of your job is getting asked advice. My, my right. job is not. So, um, we're, we definitely have different perspectives on that, but, um, yeah, so, so much of that, like when people ask me advice, I always give them a giant cautionary statement that says <laughs> like, what I'm doing isn't necessarily right. This is just what I think. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. Right. And yeah. And, yeah, that that's tough. I mean, you know, if I were in your shoes, I definitely can relate to those kind of sediments, sentiments, not sediments, not dirt in the bottom of a river. <laughs> uh, I, I think part of it's tough though, because I don't like that feeling in myself too, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to get to is, I mean, there is some pride in that, in mm-hmm. that whole point, you know, when somebody, when you get mad at someone for not listening to you and I've been in those positions where I am was a hundred percent right. 
I wrote it on paper and I put it out there and it <laughs> proved itself right over two years. And still it's pretended that I wasn't right. It's really <laughs> annoying. But at the end of the day, you can't, you can't spend your time, you know, you can't spend all your effort getting upset about something like right. that. Cause you know, once the decisions are made and things are done, you kind of just have to move on and go to the next spot, try to learn again. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. What a, right. what a better opportunity to teach someone than to take that past example and say, Hey, let's, let's break this down for a minute and talk about what you did wrong and how it got wrong. And, and let's, you know, use this to learn from in the future. Or conversely, how did I approach it wrong so that, that it wasn't helpful for you? You know? Yeah. I mean, that's my, one of my biggest problems when I have something not go over well is because I presented it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that I, you know, you can't, you don't want to cheat in the way you present it, but I just wasn't aware of how I was presenting it, you know? Well, I, (laughs) this is totally an aside, but one of the things I realized when I started working dogs on sheep is that that's a three-way communication. Yeah. And I'm the worst part of that chain of three-way communication. I don't understand sheep or dog. They probably understand a little bit more about human than I understand about them. Yeah. And so part of it's figuring out, you know, in that relationship, how to communicate where the others communication means you're understood. And that's not always up to the receiver to, to make that work. I think. Yeah. So I didn't mean for us to get so philosophical on this. So I'm going to, I'm going to, Oh, I could have gone way deeper. I'm real hesitant. (laughs) (laughs) We may have to do moral, moral relativity. and. I forgot. I forgot who I was talking to. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 85 pages to the end of Doyeski's <laughs> brother's Karsman off right now. <laughs> and you have to leave when at, at two 15 tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we could cover it. We could. Cover oh, easy. Easy. Do you, yeah. do you think we do enough of this either formally or informally as the sheep industry? Uh, I think I think culturally, as 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 persons in the United States, and especially since the advent of, I mean, COVID has accelerated a lot of it. But really, you look at Facebook and Instagram, and the way those discussions happen, they're great tools, and they're a connection when we don't have the opportunity to connect. But at the same time, you have such a a disconnect and disrespect for because you you don't recognize you're dealing with a person when you see somebody face to face or you engage with somebody and you make yourself vulnerable when you see their face and they see yours you're vulnerable yeah you know there's a vulnerability there and that takes courage and it takes respect and it's a lot easier to respect the person you're talking to when you're engaging face to face right it's a lot easier to call somebody up in a call center and complain about your comcast bill <laughs> than to go into a store and talk to somebody face to face about the the problem Right. And more times than not, when you sit down as persons and you discuss something, you're able to solve your solution or at least leave with a little better um, situation. That's not always the case. But I do think in our culture today, we really struggle with that, um, that ability to engage respectfully between each other. You see that in the political system. You see that in so many situations. And I think it's all kind of rooted in this, um, <laughs> in this moral relativism where we're able to just justify or we justify within our own heads what we feel is correct and don't right. care about what anybody else thinks not realizing what's happening to those persons around us 
And there's an element of echo chamber and all that social media stuff too. That Which that, is that, that's why you, yeah. you're able to justify it to yourself in your yeah. head yeah. because you're here, you're able to put it out there and listen to your likes and comments a certain way. Right. And you even get filtered. The algorithms literally filter to get you to see results of a similar mindset right. to help perpetuate that. So, I mean, it's, it's very, yeah. It, it, and it's a, it's one of the most, it's one of the most amazing human connection tools ever invented. And it's also one of the most depersonalization yep. <laughs> of yep. the human person that could ever have been invented to. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I had the, in the course of this lambing school, had the great experience of, of actually meeting people that I've only known through Instagram and, and through yeah. comments on the podcast. Um, and yeah, it's supposed to be, a, we called it a school. But what it really was, was four sessions on Zoom of people sharing what they, what had worked in their sheep operation. You know, it was, yeah. it was just fantastic to be able to, to learn from people in other parts of the country about things that worked for them and conditions in their region. And it was just, it was really fascinating. It's amazing how like the technology allows that kind of communication. Mm -hmm. And then if you got those, but then if you got each one of those people, those people and you put them in a room and you all sat together around a table and had a sandwich and talked about those things. I mean, it would be even more fruitful. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's exactly. amazing how, it, you know, if we didn't have the technology, that conversation wouldn't have happened, but how it's still not the same as like this, you know, talking to your neighbor in person. There's nothing that, like some of my best memories are literally stopping on the side of the road, talking out the window to my grandpa or to mm -hmm. Pat Hamilton or to Richard or to, um, you know, go down the list, Yep. you know, Ross Rasmussen or any of those guys, like just yep. stopping and talking to them out the window is just, you learn so much from those kind of people and those kind of conversations. And that, I think that's a geographic feature of where you are. That's a little different than where I am. You know, yep. I think, I think we've kind of lost that to some extent, although there are guys like Joe Fisher and Rob yeah. Thompson and Nathan Medler who all, see at the gas station or, yeah. or you know, we'll, we'll get to talk like that. That's I went, I went to, I went to lunch with my, my daughters. We stopped into the restaurant and in the restaurant was, um, one of my like third or fourth cousins. So he sat <laughs> down at the table and talked to us for 20, 30 minutes about swim. And then I walked outside and there was Ian McKenzie, the wool buyer was yep. just pulling up, getting ready to go in for a sandwich. So talk to him. And then it's like, it's a left town. I was driving behind Richard Hamilton and then you go up. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, you see everybody. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's amazing. The small town as more people move in becomes depersonalized a little bit, but at the same time, you got more opportunity with more people. It's, it's harder. Well, I think, I think what I've learned is I've got to be more intentional about that. Oh yeah when yeah. I'm home, you know, take, don't worry about where I got to be in, in a half an hour. If I run into somebody that I want to catch up with. Yeah. That's really hard to do, but yes, absolutely. You got to really take that time. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we may have a little shorter podcast this time, but I think we covered lots of ground, Ryan. This has been really, really interesting for me because it, it is, an area that I think is hugely important. And sometimes I can struggle with making time for it on either end, either, either the receiving end or the giving end. And it's, it's hugely important, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel like in, I really, 
we just we need to talk to each other so much more mm-hmm. in in today's world and it it you know it's it, it happens on a one-on-one basis i mean we're here on a podcast talking to everybody that's listening but you know co- picking up that phone and calling somebody and having a 10-minute conversation is is a is a rarity these days and it's amazing what happens when you take the time to do something like that yeah you know, what, it is. what the response actually is it usually it's a little surprise at first you just called me for nothing yeah and then <laughs> and then mean? after a while then you know towards the end they'll you'll get a call like or you get a message you know 20 minutes after the call and be like that was great thank you so much for calling yeah really, yeah exactly so, yeah exactly yep so I, we've got a, a little bit of a change coming up in the podcast going forward, right? Yeah, a little format change. Yeah, yeah. Fill us in. What what uh, what's going to go on here? So we're going to go to a three host rotation. So we're going to have Dr. Rosie Bush is going to join our team, and uh, we're going to basically have two of us record every week and alternate through who's going to be. And, and so hopefully it changes up the monotony a little bit. They don't have to hear me ramble about uh, Doyeski. I, I just figured you wanted to raise the intelligence of the uh, I just wanted to sound smart. You know, it's an audio book. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's going to join us. And I guess next week you and her are going to record something and then yeah. we'll just kind of rotate on through and excited to have her have her join and and bring her knowledge and experience to the table that's definitely unique and different than both of ours and and uh, hopefully very beneficial some of the conversations we can have i mean how often do you get to just sit down with a vet and talk exactly exactly <laughs> and and ryan will now finally have somebody who's halfway intelligent to talk with. Ah, yeah no someone oh, that can actually call my call my bluffs <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how many <laughs> a lot of a lot of people think I'm smarter than I am. <laughs> well, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the yeah. same boat. No, like I think that'd buy, be really fun. It's like when you buy a, a like a smart trainer on a bicycle or a pedometer, and you just put it on like a drill or something, and so you, <laughs> you cheat and say that you got twenty thousand steps, even though you just set it on your desk on the side and it was spinning the whole time you were playing Tetris. I put it on the four wheeler. You know, yeah, yeah leave it on the four wheeler. Let it bounce around there. <laughs> Yeah. God, I'm getting a lot of exercise. Man, oh gosh, man, <laughs> Kelly, do you see how much exercise I got today? I think I spoke to you in our challenge. I don't have to work out the rest of the week. <laughs> Take it to my doctor. I, I'm really proud of that. You know? Oh man, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so well, cool. Have a good rest of the week unloading and moving, moving sheep around. And you've got a busy week ahead, huh? Yeah, it's going to be a busy two weeks. I'm excited. I was very excited to volunteer you to record next and me take the first week <laughs> off. So that's eager, eager to allow, allow you the break. That'll be good. That'll be good. Yep. All right. Well, real good. Well, I got to get going. I got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, I got seven missed calls right now since our recording started. So better, better. go return those calls and, and go to swim practice. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank. This is uh, this is Dan Macon up here in Auburn, California, and uh, my cohort and partner in whatever this is we're doing, Ryan Mahoney down in Rio Vista. And uh, this is Sheep Stuff You Should Know. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See you later, Dan. Thanks, Ryan.
Let me get my radio voice ready. <clears throat> I love my little radio. <laughs> I just want coffee. Wow, we.